0: Are you over a hundred years old? No.
1: Uh, I am not yet over a hundred years old, but you know, I'm working on it. On your way? I'm working on it. I'm on my way. Uh, whether or not I'll get there is kind of a, not up to me, I guess. Entirely.
0: Isn't that a song by the Scottish John Carmacks? I'm on my way. From doo-doo-doo. You know that song? Those? <laughs> the Twins? They also have the 500 Miles song. I can't remember what the artist's name is off top of my head. They do look like John Carmack. You're right about that. It's the glasses and the style. A little bit. Right. What's their names? Uh,
1: I don't know. I would walk 500 miles is the song. (laughs) Oh, God. They both look very much like uh, Chip Norton. Wait, no. What's the band called, though? The Proclaimers. The
0: Proclaimers. Thank you. Yeah. I A, always think of their songs for some reason when I think of anything that relates to the words that they sing. I'm not sure why. They
1: actually look more like John Carmack in Deus Ex than, than John Carmack. <laughs> you know? The Deus Ex guy that looks like John Carmack? No. Your helper that like calls you? He looks exactly like Oh, he like does. You look, oh my God. You're right. He yeah, does. Guy.
0: Yeah. What's his name? I didn't even uh, realize that until you said that. He does look like John Carmack.
1: You never realized that? No, oh, yeah. But
0: he totally I like when I'd like think about it for a second. I he was, even oh, talks yeah.
1: like John Carmack. Hmm. Um Yeah. Hmm. Meanwhile, Oren says that there's no games to play. We're we're in, we're in the slowest season of the year. He's got nothing to play. Nope. <laughs> Hasn't played Deus Ex. Uh,
0: <laughs> Any of them? Trolling.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at the uh, show notes, and I just put nothing under games we've played. <laughs> For me, nothing. Did you put?
1: Oh, no, you literally put nothing.
2: <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I don't want I'm going to sh-
1: put shame next to that. That's us Revoke fine. your gamer card, Oren. Your your gamer card has been revoked. You yep. are no longer a hashtag gamer.
2: My Xbox has been gathering dust. My mm. controller has been gathering dust. I can barely move the joysticks now because they're just so clogged with dust from they're the past are just down. In Were dust? you
0: interested at all in playing Dying Light too? That just came out. I'm interested.
2: I'm interested, but I kind of want to wait a week because I'm also kind of curious to see if Crossfire X is actually like a good game because I want to play like. That might be a stealth good game just because Remedy did the single player campaign. So I'm gonna wait to see how that reviews, and if that reviews poorly, then I'll probably play Dying Light too.
0: So that's not the co-op control, is it?
2: Oh no. It's um it's not the co-op control. It's okay. um it's like a straight military shooter. Like it's like a Call of Duty Counter-Strike ripoff. But uh I'm only interested because Remedy is doing the single-player campaign, and, like, I just think that's, like, so weird, and it's not really talked about a lot. Is Uh, it going to
0: have a lot of vignettes of, like, a soldier talking, like, in a comic book? It'll be, like, a (laughs) very noir well yeah i think i made
2: the i think i made the joke last week that like at the end of the game like you realize that like your gun's an altered object or something and then it's like a shared cinematic universe with control i don't know that'd be funny
0: that would be funny
2: we'll see Hmm. we'll see how it is but dying light 2 looks good um it sounds like it's been reviewing well
0: yeah Yeah, that game was in development for so long i remember like i want to say i remember hearing them announcing it and 2016, maybe.
2: Yeah, it's been like half a hmm. decade, if not yeah. more.
0: <clears throat> it's been a long time coming. So, and the uh, developer Techland tends to support the games, their games, their the games that they own at least, like the first time Light very well. Dead Island didn't get as much, but they didn't. They weren't the publisher. That was Deep Silver. So, it's I, I'm just curious to see where this game will go in like five years. I think it'll still have an active community and be developed for, which is cool. So, hmm. if it's the, a formula the only you like. Thing-
2: yeah. yeah, the only thing that's like keeping me from getting it is that I have like a zombie game quota. Like, a, you know, I like I I do Last of Us and Resident Evil, and yeah. that's like Bloodborne. all the Bloodborne. Bloodborne, sort of. Yeah, but it's like those are the only like zombies I can take for the most part. I agree. Like, I'm I'm not the kind of person who's like. Itching to play zombie games all the time. You know what
0: makes the thing about Resident <laughs> Evil? I always think of Resident Evil as a zombie game, but it's so much more. It has like weird right. mutants and like bioweapon stuff, and it has dogs and the hunters and there's so dogs much. Dogs are like a, huge, a staple of zombie games. There's a games, large though. beastier of right. Resident Evil creatures that I think a lot of other yeah. zombie games do not touch upon, and I think that's something that makes Resident Evil above and beyond just a zombie game. And The new one didn't even have zombies; it had werewolves, so.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Resident Evil Village, uh, that's the thing about Resident Evil, it's so, like, elastic, right, in terms of, like, the universe, it's not just zombies, as you said, but yeah, like, I always kind of, I know, like, I like Days Gone for the most part, but that's one of those games where you look at it, and you're like, okay, the color tone is mostly gray, and it's, like, gruff and gritty, and uh, all of the uh, (laughs) zombies look gray, and it's like, oh, man... I don't, like and dying light 2 has those vibes a little bit of just like oh
0: these are just zombies but are you at all annoyed by when they call zombies a different thing like oh these are freakers coming oh yeah. there's walkers <laughs> over there oh they're biters it's like can we just call them zombies i mean we go we all know what zombies are if, they, if the dead started rising in the streets tomorrow we'd all be like those are zombies we wouldn't be like oh those are freakers
2: <laughs> is that what they were called in days gone freakers i days think gone they were is called freakers, dying light yeah. it's
0: biters yeah, that's so uh, bad. Walking Dead. It's walkers. Yeah, always I was
2: actually some. I was annoyed about that. In actually, Halo Infinite, they call the Covenant something else, and I was like, just call the them banished. the Covenant. I yeah, know. the Banished. Like, just call them yeah, the know, Covenant. But aren't they
1: like a a splinter? Yeah, like a schism of the Covenant.
2: Yeah, basically. Yeah, but have like...
1: have you not read your Halo novels, Oren? I guess don't not. you know all of the lore? No, uh, that's that's literally the only thing I know is that that's, they are.
0: That's one of the things <laughs> I thought Shaun the Dead did. Obviously, uh, among really many separate. other things, was like when when uh, Ed calls it a zombie. He's like, "Don't call them that." <laughs> <laughs>
2: don't don't call them. I, I actually uh, rewatched that movie recently because um, I haven't seen it since I was like eighteen or something, mm-hmm. and it's so funny watching that movie in your like twenties and thirties because then it's like, oh god, like this movie relates to me way too much. Like, yeah, just, <laughs> it's too when I was real. A kid, I
0: thought that the uh, their landlord was like the asshole. And then watching it again as an adult, I'm like, no, Ed is the asshole. Completely.
2: <laughs> Ed's the asshole. <laughs> or just like, or just like the whole vibe of being thirty and you're not really like uh, doing anything, you know? You're not really achieving anything. You're just kind of content, just kind of in the routine of your life. Of like, oh, I just go to the Winchester. I go to the convenience store. I go to my like cashier job. It's just like that whole vibe was like, oh god, this is too real. The, like yeah. this feeling of stasis, you know
0: the uh, the one shot of him walking from the, his house to the convenience store and back and then he does it again the next day but it's like you know like zombie apocalypse I, that's one of my favorite scenes in, like anything it's just so well yeah, done it's so like, good yeah
2: i really like it that it's version. edgar wright's uh best moment in my opinion <laughs> yeah. just that, yeah, i think it is par- that parallel that juxtaposition mm-hmm. curse that word <laughs> <laughs> good shit guys zombies i might play dying light too well, we'll I'll see. Next week, I'll probably maybe talk about it. If I, get someone
1: I to might play get with, it. I'll play it. For the ray tracing, just to just to like <laughs> watch the, tra- the rays be traced. Nice. <laughs> um, Oren, what is a wordle? Uh,
2: it's a Twitter phenomenon, and it was made by a little guy who he made it like five years ago, and now mm-hmm. it's popular, and now he's a millionaire.
0: That's all I know. New York Times bought it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, big news in uh, corporate consolidation this week. The New York Times <laughs> buys <a> Wordle. <laughs> uh, wor- have you played Wordle, Oren?
0: No. I played it. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, what did you I think? I was
0: impressed by it. The uh, design is very straightforward, simple, and perfect. It was like, I tried it, typed in a random ass word. I didn't take it seriously in the first two words, and then mm. by the end I did. And I was like, oh, I, this is this is cool. So I got it my first try, got the first word. Um, but, Your uh,
1: first attempt? You mean you got it in six attempts? In six attempts, I got. The- but I didn't fail. Okay. The first time I tried the right, game. Right. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So gotcha. I was yeah. happy with
0: myself on that at least. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> it was fun though. It's something I want. I would go back and try daily because it is a little brain bender.
1: Yeah, I liked it. I did it for two weeks like straight. I had a streak and then I like forgot to do it one day and then I haven't jumped back on the wagon really since then. But it was a fun little two to five minute some days it would take me like 10 minutes it was a really weird word the word proxy which was a word like three weeks ago Mm -hmm. i could not i was just looking at pro space y and then what i do is i put an x in the space to figure out to to look at the word so i put proxy and i'm like oh proxy like i figured it (laughs) totally by accident Mm -hmm. but i was staring at it for like a while before i got it but every other one's been about you know five ten minutes tops
2: I'll have to check it out, but uh, I've been—I feel like or, I've been allergic to it just because it's, you know,
1: because all of the obnoxious Twitter spam. Who's my wordle <laughs> yes. of the day? Yeah, that shit. Mm. It, I mean, it was a good idea because it obviously got people playing it, but it's right. really like stop, please stop, don't post that anymore. It's not cool. Um, hmm.
2: It's just wild well, get- to me that. Games can get popular like four years after they're released or something. Is it like, really
1: four years after it was released? It was
2: like a couple years. Like the Among Us that happened to it happened to that it happened to Splitgate. It's just hmm. wild how that happens. Like I just it's made this also, little app and now it I'm a millionaire. Um, Rocket
0: League's <laughs> prior game was called Super Power Rocket Power Turbo Blaster Cars or something like that, and then just like yeah. changing the name to Rocket League, but basically making the same game made them, you know huge game oh really yeah
1: it's a league of rockets yeah they're all in league together they're they're flying into space <laughs> rocket league's not a very informative name
0: Mm-mm.
1: no but uh it works i guess huh yeah. well in uh other news other con- corporate consolidation news Bungie, makers of marathon was purchased by sony <laughs>
2: that's pretty what do you guys uh... think about that uh corporate consolidation is uh has commenced the wars have commenced and uh I hate it kind of but whatever this is the world we live in it's interesting Um, that
0: they chose Bungie isn't it for two yeah yeah
2: it's interesting because no one's buying Japanese companies that's like what I think is really interesting that's okay Um,
0: for me yeah that's okay (laughs) for me but (laughs) independent (laughs)
2: Uh, I wonder why that is, though. Um, I'm not. Is it like fear of like, you know, they just don't want to get involved with like 10 cent and like that whole market or uh, I'm unfortunately not an industry analyst in that way. But what do you. Yeah, guys we think? should mention
1: none of us are industry analysts. So this is all just a, a couple of dudes chewing the fat about something we know very little about. But <laughs> what I heard the news on the street is that there are multiple other deals as big as at least as big as the Bungie deal maybe somewhere in the proximate size comparison to uh the Activision deal about to be closed or in process. So uh could be could be a japanese company is about to be purchased as by long as long as not
0: anymore. capcom or bandai I can live.
2: As long as it's konami, konami I will yeah, not I will, I will not only live I will konami live song. vigorously and happily yeah. if that's the case. So
0: I think it's interesting in a couple of ways. One, who is Bungie? They developed Halo, which they're popular for, and Destiny, of course, now. Um, but they also were part of Activision at one point. So it's kind of interesting that they, they've kind of- And Microsoft. Like, and Microsoft, right. So Halo, and so it's like they kind of were like, hey, we're going to snatch up your old friends. Um, also, the other thing about Sony is they own um, multimedia franchises. I have a feeling they're going to try and do a Destiny show on a Sony brand. I think that's going to happen. They've
1: said that that's what they want to do is make movies, yeah, specifically movies out of their IP. That's like it's about IP for making going into like, uh, like filmic media for for Bungie and um, service games for Sony. Like basically, getting that institutional knowledge. They're paying like an enormous amount of money. Like on average, people are getting about one million dollars to stay for the next few years, so that they don't have a big, you know, bunch of people leave immediately okay. after the merger. Hmm.
0: The other thing about Sony that's interesting is Sony uh, has had a hand at service games in the past as they published EverQuest. So it does seem like they may want to get back in that in that pie, you know. They don't own Daybreak now, of course, but you know, they did. So Yeah.
2: I think I think it'd be cool if uh Bungie made a kill zone game or a resistance game. I think that would be cool. Yeah. Uh that's that's just wishful thinking though. But yeah, you're probably right. It's probably Uh, getting their games as service knowledge, uh, competing with... um, Because Microsoft has so many shooters that are basically service... That are service games, so kind of beating them in that market. Uh, And uh, uh, yeah. And then on top of that, like Destiny is just a big brand, so it kind of just makes sense that they would do that. Um, Wasn't it... The the acquisition, comparatively, to Activision was really low, though. Wasn't it like $7 billion? I don't have the... Um, it was like
1: 3.4 billion dollars. Uh, Michael Packner, who is a yeah. like a bigwig in this researcher this this area, an expert, uh, was saying that like they grossly overpaid for it. He was comparing it to some um, some other deals. Like uh, okay, so he said EA bought Respawn four years ago for 700 million dollars. That's 400 developers, and those guys generate 700 million dollars a year in revenue. Bungie does two hundred million a year in revenue, and Sony paid you know like eight times as much. So
2: that's wild. Uh, Maybe it's desperation. I don't know. Maybe they're just like we got to get somebody.
1: So I
0: think this is an arms race that everybody, at least the customer, loses. Uh, Nothing good will come of this. uh, Well,
1: I mean, yeah, nothing. I think it's. I don't think.
0: I don't think uh, all this corporate consolidation is a good thing. I'm not a fan of the uh, this being a Microsoft Sony arms race. I don't. Don't do it. Don't do
2: it. It's basically going to be like what movies are now where it's like, "Oh, I want to watch this movie. Oh, I got to subscribe to Amazon Prime to see it." Or like yeah. I have to sub- subscribe to HBO Max. It's going to be like the same thing, which is annoying. But um yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of um a couple of companies just uh, you know, buying know. everything, and that's like the strategy now to win the console yeah. wars.
0: I do think Activision could do some cool stuff because they seemed like they were not there it's a little stale, but I don't know. I just don't yeah. want Microsoft buying a bunch more companies. I don't want Sony buying a bunch more companies is how I feel.
1: It's definitely going to continue. Uh, yeah, I think the Activision thing is probably overall positive, even if it is consolidation yeah. and, and direction moving towards a direction that maybe it gets really kind of gross, but it was good for probably Activision employees and their intellectual property. Yeah. We spoke to an Activision employee who seemed to be pretty happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I hope someone's buying Konami, as everybody's been saying, as Lauren said. Um, it's worth noting, though, like all, they're going to buy these IPs. But like if you look at games that made like a billion dollars, uh, uh, like games like Valheim or Among Us or PUBG or Minecraft, you know, in the last 10 years or so. Are all games that came from outside of big studio space. So there's like a lot of room to innovate outside of uh, major publishers in video games in a way that there isn't so much in like traditional film media or even like broadcast media.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I. Um, that's like kind of what's cool about video games, and uh, I'm friends with like a lot of like film guy like you know not film guys just the film community i should say and uh that's what i try to convey to them when i say that video games are the most interesting media right now because they kind of roll their eyes like video games are so stupid but like i feel like there isn't media right now that's constantly evolving like video games and we see that with you know now now that like like live service games like among us you know they weren't even really considered much of a thing eight years ago and now they're like huge so i don't know it's, it's interesting following the market trends and uh, what catches fire in video games for sure all
1: right well, i don't know you guys have any other thoughts about this uh sigh Sai, yeah. Don't buy a Psy. A Big Sai. Don't don't buy a Namco. Buy Konami buy, though. Buy Somebody buy yeah. Konami. That's the only corporate Sony, consolidation I want. Sony would do a good job with Konami. I feel like oh, I yeah. would. Like they would.
0: Sony. They to would. Buy I think. Konami. I think if anyone to to buy Konami it would be Sony, for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. All right. We 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 sanction that, and then and then the rest are off the table. Yeah. No more. <laughs> no more. Uh, yeah. Please no more. <laughs> uh. All right. What have we been playing? Well. I played uh, I played the Uncharted collection that was released, which is the, the nominal remasters of uh, Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy. I didn't actually play Uncharted 4, but I did play through all of Lost Legacy, which makes it the first Uncharted game I've ever rolled credits on. Oh, wow. Despite trying to play several other Uncharted games and, and not, not getting so far uh it was pretty good i liked it i liked it enough to finish it and i had a good time um and it it kind of like fulfilled that thing that people always talk about with these games where like it's 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 fun to play with someone else sitting next to you watching it because they get like there's a lot of stories so they can enjoy it too whereas like when i'm playing you know like dark souls or something or not as exciting for them um it has a 120 hertz mode, which is awesome oh, and cool. feels so good. I put that on with black frame insertion, and it was just like so smooth and sharp and just like responsive. Uh What else did I say? I got a bunch of notes about this game. This was, this was um, Lost
0: Legacy, right? You said not four.
1: Mm-hmm. How many times too, right?
0: did you hear Freja? Freja? Oh, a lot, a lot,
1: a lot of times. <laughs> lot of times. And we started Mary and I started Kate yelling or Abby, at each other.
0: Whoever you want whatever you want to call her actress yeah. so
1: yeah which which was actually surprising to me when i looked that up yeah it's but um that's, i don't know it was cool it had a good story that it was pretty fun to play i really liked the the part that everybody says they like the the western gats or is that what it's called the western gats yeah the western gats the the, uh, part that's like the chapter open four,
2: world the open world it's section. like
1: loosely open uh and With it's kind of just lets you yeah, the jeep in the mud, and you're kind of going around. I collected all the little coins, like I did. I think I 100%ed that level, which you definitely don't have to do. I liked it less when it was really set piece Like, I don't, I don't know. Set pieces don't do that much for me. I know some people really like set pieces, so I'm in the minority opinion on this, but like, the set pieces wore on me. Towards the end of the game, to the point where like, I was like, all right, I'm gonna beat this to beat it, but like, there's no way I'm playing Shredder 4 after this. i was like this was cool i'm glad i played it i really enjoyed it and i think that like you can see the arc of naughty dog moving from this company that just makes like super linear set piece games to like blending the sort of crisis inspired games that still have lots of set pieces and cool linear moments and good storytelling so i don't know it's a pretty game
2: yeah i think that's Uncharted Lost Legacy is the Uncharted game I recommend to people who don't like Uncharted because it's six, seven hour experience, um, doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, I love Uncharted 4. I love that game's story. I love the presentation. But um, I also understand it's 15 hours long. And that's kind of, I think, some fair criticisms of that game is that it's just too long for that type of genre. So... I think Lost Legacy is just really, you know, perfectly paced for that type of set piece-driven narrative game.
0: Yeah, I might try it again. I think when it comes to Steam, I might try it again. I had it on PS Four. I think I gave oh, it yeah. to Aaron.
1: Yeah, that's how I have it. I, I should say the thing that was really cool—you gave that to me. Mm-hmm. So I put the disc in. I pay ten dollars for the upgrade, which I'm going to say is Excuse worth me. it because you get Definitely. you get. Uh, it starts it uses the the PS5 SSD so it has crazy fast load times, which before it had these like unbearable load times. It's just like you're in and out of the game like instantly. Um, it comes with 120 Hertz mode. it has some minor graphical upgrades. but it also came, although I said I'm not going to play this game, but it came with Uncharted 4 for free, or you know for the 10 bucks.
2: Oh,
0: that's cool. If
1: you own either one of them, you get the other one with the upgrade, so that's kind of cool.
0: Nice. And there's no moments from running from trucks and shooting back at the trucks, right? I don't remember any truck moments.
1: Uh, running from trucks?
0: Yeah, it's an Uncharted Oh, and, oh that, that
2: classic
1: so,
0: hallmark. Yeah.
1: There's some, you know, the, the thing that happens that it wasn't happening so much for the first half of the game, and I was like, oh, yay, they're not doing this, where you're just standing on something and it starts buckling out from underneath you and right. you have to run away from a collapsing floor. But the last quarter of the game is like that, over and over and over again. Yeah, it's like you're in right. a temple, it's collapsing. You're on a train track, it's collapsing. You're on a cliff, it's collapsing. Um, I don't know. Sometimes that set piece stuff can be like hard to take seriously after it's happened like three or four times. Like one really good set piece in a game or like like that type of set piece, like really big, crazy, like you're fucking surviving by the skin of your teeth moment, I can believe. But once you've had like three or four of them in a row, it's like, hmm.
0: Yeah. Does it end yeah. with um, the thing... Something's gonna blow up and you have to run away and it like explodes behind you. Does it have that? Term? Totally. Yes. it's yes. Very cliched. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh man. Yes.
1: There's a bomb on a train and it's you bomb, know, you gotta alert. run but, away yeah.
0: and it blows up the last minute. Well, you, you don't have
1: yeah. to. You gotta. You gotta divert the bomb. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You,
0: yes. Basically, yeah. it's
1: it's just like every Indiana Jones movie action movie. movie, yeah. Action movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it was good. It was fun. Like I, like I enjoyed it. I, I wasn't having a bad time. I was having a pretty good time and i was particularly having a good time in the middle of the game when it was more less guided i guess more open
2: hmm. um, yeah i think uh i think it's just kind of funny first of all i just want to say to the listeners i have like a slight cl- cold so sorry if you hear me like you know with my nose but whatever uh second of all um with uncharted i think uh like circa 2008 2010 people were still really impressed with you know the graphical possibilities of like oh my god this building's collapsing so like the the franchise is kind of of its time in a lot of ways so playing uncharted 4 now which is you know already a five-year-old game or lost legacy which is a five-year-old game um five-plus-year-old game it's just i don't know the those kind of tropes are probably less impressive now i think you know because you know the 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 spectacle was so impressive back then, but maybe not so much now, and it actually gets in the way of the narrative a bit
0: mm. yeah, I think so did for me I felt, I felt the same way as Aaron when I played, I mean
1: I like the game i, I if I'm coming off negative here I, I would say I'd give it a you know strong eight eight and a half, I don't know, yeah, uh, sixteen unicorns out of thirty two no, um but it, it, it was yeah it was enjoyable I I I'm glad I played it I'd recommend people check it out on PC it'll probably be like hmm I don't know if it's gonna be too easy with a controller or with a mouse and keyboard or not sometimes the combat could be like there was definitely weird difficulty spikes the combat was pretty good and it, it added a PS5 controller support which I actually thought was really done well done well done in that game like it felt really good to shoot those guns um I don't know.
2: Uh, Uncharted is one of those franchises that I think is best experienced on either easy or normal mode. Like, Mm -hmm. playing those games on hard mode is just annoying as fuck. It just turns into, like, a really crappy cover shooter if you play it on hard mode. While in normal and easy, you're just, like, hopping around, shooting guys, punching dudes. It's like, that's the game I want to play. Not stupid. Like, I'm hiding behind cover because I'll get killed in two shots if I don't.
1: It's yeah. The game was definitely more fun when I didn't play it like a cover shooter and just ran around like it was Doom Eternal and just shot everybody and ran as fast as I could because you can totally get away with that and it's it's pretty fun. Feels good.
2: Yeah, it's fun. Like surprise shotgunning dudes. You like swoop down, bam, swoop away. <laughs> so it's fun.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Kevin, Bloodborne came to PC. Uh, did. Finally, it's, it's a real high quality port. Tell us about it. <laughs>
0: Uh, the amount of work put into it is impressive. When I was playing it, I've been doing Unreal stuff, and I'm like, this has got to be Unreal Engine. But they did an impressive amount of work to make it look like a 90s game. I think you have to, like, unrealify the game. It's not an easy task. Um, and it does play like Bloodborne, but uh, I say that with a heavy caveat. So let me let me just step take a step back. The presentation of what it's aiming for is pretty much perfect. It, like, looks... Maybe slightly worse than 90s games looked. I'm like, I want to say, like, maybe it looks even more like pixel wobble than the games actually even had, but I don't know. It's been a while since I played, like, Tenchu or something, so I don't know. But the presentation's perfect. The uh, music is all, like, redone MIDI versions, like PS1 era MIDI versions of the music. The sound effects sound like they're ripped straight from the game and then thrown through a compressor or something to lower the uh, bit quality of the audio. Um, but I have to just go now into the thing that really bothered me. It's, it's so old school that they went all the way. You have to use the D-pad for movement. Using a D-pad for controlling a 3D game, no good. <laughs> Not something I like. D-pad for those multiple axes. D-pad is amazing for 2D games where you often have binary movement. But on an analog game, I want analog movement. Why couldn't I get the DualShock version of Bloodborne D-make? You know, we had we had analog controls on that gen. <laughs> but, uh, That's true. Um, That's true.
1: Why wasn't it Bloodborne D-Make, which is, by the way, what we're talking about? Bloodborne D-Make. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't know if we said that at the beginning. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but, um, it is the
0: Bloodborne D-Make I've been playing. Yes. Uh, it's funny because like, it starts off exactly the same. I think they remade all the cutscenes like shot for shot so far, which is impressive. Like I said, the amount of work done is, is very impressive. Um, by default, it has this thing checked on, which will. Changed the performance to run poorly in a uh, heavily taxing area, which is not something that from the 90s I want to remember. I would say that's also like the D pad movement is something from the 90s I don't want to remember. They had to um, recreate the environment, I think, to make it more hallway ish um, to kind of replicate the 90s style. And it has a lot of load screens like a lot of load screens. Mm. And it's kind of in that same way. I'm like, you know, I, I get what you guys are doing. It's kind of like Cruelty Squad. Like, I appreciate it, but I, it's, it causes me suffering. <laughs> it's like the thing that I don't want. So, I don't know. I think it's for me, it was a mixed experience. I think it was very well made. Just, like, I think the developer is a highly skilled developer. Yeah. I can't tell if the enemy animations are ripped. But, like, when you're in combat, it feels, it feels pretty close to Bloodborne. I do wonder though, like playing this game made me think something very interesting. Like, I've always had this thought that, like, good game design isn't limited by technology. Like, you can have an amazing game on old, but it's not, I think, the question I think is actually wrong. The premise is wrong. It's not that good game design is limited by technology, it's that good game design is boosted by technology, is what I would say. And I think uh, Bloodborne with 90s era presentation and controls may not have been quite the game. It could have been when, it's, when it came out mm. today. So I really do think that that game needed to have been a PS4 game to succeed. I think if it had come out then, it wouldn't have been quite as impressive to us. I think the, the style wasn't quite... I don't know.
2: I think you kind of need to have crazy monster design with like tentacles and Lovecraftian horror. And they're just like these incomprehensible abominations like you can't really achieve that pre-ps4 in my opinion
0: i agree i think i think uh i really think that game needed to be probably most from games really would need that level of technology to be fully realized i think so, i
2: just uh, remember like back in because i actually played bloodborne kind of late i didn't play it until 2016 but i just remember uh looking at like screenshots of that game and being like oh my god can you guys believe this monster design can you like i've never seen anything like this before
0: and yeah you can't achieve that with ps1 yeah (laughs) definitely not (laughs) uh one thing i wanted to mention too is that the combat felt pretty accurate and close and they even got the quirks of the engine like when you're opening the door and the character's playing the opening the door animation they're invulnerable to enemy hits which is impressive, because that's exactly how it is in the game. Like, they actually replicated all of the quirks from, from, from soft games, like, perfectly. So it was, it was, like I said, very well made. I just wish it was less. I wish I could reduce the load screens and use, use, a, use a stick. What I probably could have done was use um, Steam's uh, different um, control schemes, launch through Steam, and then remap the controls. What? To be, you could do that. Doesn't it need
1: Steam support to do that? No. Oh, really? Yeah, so used, big picture mode will just
0: take over the controls? You can do that, yeah. yeah um, That's crazy. And there's other there's other methods you could use, too. Like, it's definitely hmm. a fixable solution, um, and the controls could be rebound. It doesn't have dual... You can't control the camera, either. There's no, there's no stick con- yeah. inputs at all, which is rough. <laughs> so, But I don't know. I, I have to say, I, I, my hand's off to the developer for, for making it and trying it. It's pretty awesome. I didn't complete the entire thing. I beat the uh, first boss, the uh, priest... Werewolf, I forgot what his name is. Not the
2: the cleric beast or cleric beast. I
0: not Gascoin. Cleric
2: Beast. So it's not a full game, it's just like a couple areas.
0: I believe it's up to Gascoin, and that's the end. Um, Oh.
2: That's cool, but sad. Yeah. Not that I would play like the whole game, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool because
0: the whole game I would I'd play through it. I would definitely fix the controls and do it. But yeah. Hmm
1: wasn't working with my controllers so i had to play it with the mouse or not even the mouse and keyboard the keyboard and the like attack commands were like up arrow down arrow and it was just like i'm like am i a 12 year old playing doom again this is yeah. this is unbearable that's so <laughs> i didn't get past the first room but uh it seemed cool mm.
0: yeah it was cool uh so that's all about i played of that but i did play on the inverse of that, uh, you know, heavy combat game, I went to space and flew around in mm-hmm. uh, as blue people. Not Avatar people, but uh, I'm not sure what they're called. What are they called again, the people in Outer Wilds? Outer Wilds I, is what I've been playing.
2: It's funny, I can't even remember it, and it's, like, one of my favorite games, and I just
0: love the <laughs> DLC. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I played Outer Wilds. I finally got, like, into Outer Worlds, cause, Excuse me, Wilds, because last time I played it, I had been... I basically... Did the ran around the town and then took off in the and the spaceship and like landed like on one planet for like a second and that was all I had played. So this time I had done um, a couple of different planets and completed them. And I think I really got got the feel for what the game is. And I had a feeling like when I played it initially because like I wasn't like I didn't dislike it but I was kind of like I don't know this isn't grabbing me. Um, I had a feeling like it was one of those games you had to kind of like give it a second to kind of like you know. Open up and get a get a feeling of what they're going for. Because after I did it, I was like, "Oh, this is an awesome game. I'm gonna definitely play through this game. This is a very cool, very cool space game." And it's, there's the amount of uh, environmental storytelling going on in that game is like top level. It's done so so well. <laughs> like I want to explore every nook and cranny. The whole world feels very, I don't know, polished and and interesting to explore.
2: Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh I mean, it's kind of, it's it's one of those games that takes a while to get into cuz you're just kind of like flying around crashing your ship and being like I don't know, like yeah. like what is this game? But like once you once the story starts opening up and like you kind of like make connections to like what's actually going on it becomes just like so fucking good.
0: The uh um, I was very impressed by it in uh from a technical level because the way that it plays it seems like all of the planets and worlds all exist within the game at one point with no load screens and they're very detailed intricate world stuff like uh the sand planet is like very complicated and there's like always yeah. like, if there's things that are changing in real time at all times um same with the green water planet i was like whoa this is really cool it's just a very impressive uh game from a technical perspective too i was like i'm really wonder how they they did all that stuff how they do the asset streaming and keep the performance up on
2: have you uh have you explored dark bramble yet no have fun with that one okay i so <laughs> here's what I'll i did say. do. i went i did i went <laughs>
0: to the planet with the uh, puzzles with like get like look at the thing and like move around like you keep going kind of down and down and down in this like a uh, tower
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that um,
0: one. yeah. And that reminded me, like, very slightly of, like, a David Lynch movie. I don't know why. It was just, like, the way, like, the furniture and everything was, like, laid out in it. I don't know what it was about it. That was, like, I was, just, I was thinking of, of Lynch stuff when I was playing it. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I
2: could I could see. I mean, that whole game has this, like, weird air of mystery to it. And uh, David Lynch, you know, like, the, like what makes his movies great is that you can't really... Like the like the mystery of Twin Peaks is like you can't like describe it to someone. It's like there's yeah. like interdimensional like things and like people cross dimensions and like uh, form different like personas. <laughs> it's it's like that kind of mystery where it's just like
0: ineffable. That's awesome. I I uh, I guess I'm gonna definitely play some more. Aaron, did you play much?
1: Yeah, I've played less than you. Um, I I need to like dedicate myself to it I realize there's certain games that many games I can play as a polyamorous and just you know play like 20 different games at once and some games require a stricter monogamy you know you got to be dedicated to just that one game and I feel like I feel like Outer Wilds is one of those games I feel like Death Stranding is one of those games yeah, yeah. whereas you know Uncharted Ghost of Tsushima even Returnal I can kind of I guess Returnal Probably I should be playing a little more Hmm. like a monogamist, but I I haven't been, so (laughs) So I haven't beat it yet.
0: And and I think this game or games that you should like exist in that universe for a period and like keep immersing yourself in it and don't distract, yeah, I I think that's, you're right on that.
2: Yeah, the the Outer Wilds, like I just remember that game, like once that game started to finally click, like I really just made time for it because I just really wanted to see where it was going.
0: Oh you know what was the last thing I did was uh I did the comet. That was really cool. Inside the comet. The
2: comet was the comet's cool.
0: Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. They um, they just seemed like they really figured out how to tell a really cool story in this game through environmental storytelling like very very well. I was I'm impressed. I I never heard of the I developer fit, I, I looked them up and I hadn't seen anything else they had played.
2: Yeah, I, I think this developed. is their
1: first game, but
2: um Gosh, I have to research that. But the but one was I th- like a
1: college uh, project or something. Yeah, yeah.
2: But I think what the reason why the lore and the story works so well is because it ties into like the central mysteries that you're trying to solve in that game. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not just like background stuff. You know, it's not like oh, you can read this if you want to, or you can ignore it. It's like no, it's like reading everything is actually key to figuring out other mysteries in that game. Um, like, discovering like it is, like the gameplay. where something is. Yeah, discovering it's the gameplay. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's it's hard to talk about, though, without spoiling it, though, so I'm not going to say anything more. But, but there will be, like, times in the game where a character will be talking about a lab, and you're like, where the fuck is this lab, for example? And, like, when you discover, like, something like that, you're like, oh, shit, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what I was mm-hmm. looking for. So...
0: So Subnautica yeah. does that to a to a degree as well, but I think that this game really went all in on the like nonlinear linear explorative, explorative narrative. And I think it's I don't think it's a common thing I've seen games do. Because like this is like a game that has maybe maybe a quote linear narrative itself, but the way that you unfold it is nonlinear at all completely nonlinear. So like it's like if the player doesn't create the story, right? The story's already there and you just start to kind of discover it in pieces. I think it's really. I just think it's really done very well. I, I'm very impressed by the game. So I,
2: I hope you enjoy it. Definitely uh, stick with it, though. It sounds like it sounds like you're already engaged. Um yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so hard sometimes yeah. recommending that game to people because I actually had a really hard time getting into it. I even had a hard time getting into the DLC, which is funny because I already liked the Outer Wilds. But
0: you know what put me off immediately was the initial setting of the initial planet where you are. I didn't like the way that anything looked there. And the jumping uh, mechanic either. is just the worst. Like, why do you have to charge up a jump? Like, your leg springs? I don't understand. It's so weird. But once you get past that into the space stuff, real good. Yeah. Like, suffering it, that. It's like Stalker. It,
2: <laughs> and also just, like, crashing stalker, all the time yeah. and dying is, can be kind of annoying.
1: Like, learning uh, how that's to, to fly. also been a, a thing for me is, yeah, falling into a black hole 20 I times will not knowing what the fuck is to do. Say
0: the time loop is a little tiresome because I kind of want to like take mm, my sure. time and explore, and it's like you have to rush. And it's like I don't want to yeah. rush. I want to like look at all this and take this all in. I don't want to like. This is a problem I had with Majora's Mask back in the day. You know, it's just like mm. oh, I only have this time. I got to start it all over again. Yeah. Time
1: loop games, man. Yeah,
2: it, it gets a little annoying. I will say I got used to it um, because I think like the way you're kind of supposed to play it. Is you're supposed to be like okay, I'm gonna explore this specific thing in Giant's Deep, and I'm gonna spend my time exploring just Giant's Deep, and like yeah. when you kind of like get into that framework. Giant's Deep is the awesome game. too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Giant's Deep is amazing. But it's like, hmm. yeah, it's not the game where you can be like, oh, I'm gonna go to Giant's Deep, and then I'm gonna go to the Hourglass Twins, and then I'm gonna go to Dark Ramble. It's more like I'm committing to this one planet. And like once like I got into that frame of mind, the uh, time loop thing became less stressful.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, I could see that. I had some hilarious bugs. One time, I there's this place where you can summon this ship, and you can like launch the ship out. And I like land landed my ship under the spot where you could summon the ship, so like the ship landed on top of my ship and like fused with it, and they like blew up and shot all over the place. And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna do that again because I broke my <laughs> ship. So I'm gonna <laughs> put my ship elsewhere. So I did that. And I parked it kind of in the side of the area and then summoned the ship and then when I got in the summoned ship you can take it off again um, so I got in the ship and took it off and then when it, I did that for some reason like because my ship was in the same area it like caused the physics to glitch out so the, the, sh- <laughs> the, the ship flew out and started spinning and it threw me out into space at like at probably like light speed because suddenly all of the gooey elements started like wobbling all over the place and like shaking violently and then they just disappeared and the game started like really wobbling all over the place, and it crashed to the Xbox screen. So, uh, I think that was an unintended <laughs> bug. It, 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 it
2: had some jank. What can I yeah. say? It was a pretty funny bug, jank.
0: though. I, I was like amused by it. It wasn't like a horrible bug. It was like a. It was like oh, that was that was crazy. It was a memorable experience.
2: Yeah, That's funny. it's. Uh, I've definitely had moments in that game where, like, a bug or the physics will just kill me in a way that I would feel, like, would be so unfair. Like, yeah. I think one time, to- there are, like, times where I'll be, like, perfectly landing, like, on a planet or something, and then the ship just hits some, like, weird texture, and then, like, the ship will, like, explode or something, and I'll die, and it's like, what?
0: Yeah. It was mm-hmm. all going
2: so well. What the fuck?
0: I can't tell how many times autopilots flow me into the sun. Oh, dude, that,
1: yeah, that's, it's like autopilot. Do you not realize the biggest object in this uh, little solar system? Yeah. It's also a death sentence.
0: And you can talk to the guy and be like, hey, autopilot flew me to the sun. He'll be like, yeah, well, don't use autopilot near the sun. Thing. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Yeah. It's it's yeah. amazing,
2: though. I love that game. Yeah. So good, despite its, its a- uh, jank and flaws and just how annoying it like the first couple hours of that game is a little rough
0: it's a heavy mm-hmm. recommend from me for sure yeah so far
1: you've got 19 days before your life is is forfeit you know what i'm saying
2: me oh i know i know what you're saying yeah
1: 19 days you have 19 days to beat that i have 19 days to beat death stranding it, it took me that. a
2: moment to figure out what you were referring to but what, yeah. what
1: happens in 19 days
2: <laughs> Um, that shitty uh, Dark Souls uh, sequel comes out. That is open world for some reason. Ring. Holy yeah. Like Miyazaki just ran out of ideas, and he's like, "Oh, let's just make Dark Souls
1: open world. Fuck it." You know. Yeah, and make it yellow. I'll just (laughs) make make it really like amber toned.
0: Yeah. Um, Oh man, that's gonna be awesome. I'm excited for that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you guys. Like, I I know. Orin has been playing no games because there are no games to play, but that's only going to last for another 19 days. And then Oren is going to have many games to play. Are you ready for this, Oren? Or are you going to have at least one game to play a lot of? Well, I forgot to bring
2: this up in the news, but I wanted to talk about it. Uh, did you guys see the Ghostwire Tokyo gameplay?
1: Did you guys watch oh, it? Oh, I, I watched Actually didn't. I scrubbed it. I think, tell us about it. I tell think
2: me. I think I think I'm gonna play that game. Um, I know we talked about it last week with Mike, and how, or a couple weeks ago with Mike, but and we weren't really that impressed with it. But I'm actually interested now because that first person combat looks interesting. If they pull it off, it's like it's it's instead of shooting a gun, you like cast spells from your hands, and you can do all sorts of types of spells. You can do you know like Shoot it like a gun, or you can do like uh, you could take souls out with like weird hands movements, or you could do so many different things just with your hands in that game. And you can. There's also a parry system. I don't know. Ghostwire Tokyo might
0: be a cool game. That's my hot take. And uh, is Shinji Mikami directing it, or is he producing it?
2: Um, I was actually producing it. Yeah, I was a little confused by that because I had the idea that he was directing it, but no, he's producing it.
0: Okay, that's still good. He's produced every Resident Evil game, basically, except for 5. Except for 6? 5, 6, and 7, and 8. So everything after before 5. After, okay, yeah. okay. So but, I mean, that's a lot of four. games uh, still.
1: Yeah. It's coming mm-hmm. out March
2: 25th, by the way, which, I think- is, oh. which is really interesting. I didn't know it was coming out so soon. And uh, I don't know. Like, I recommend everyone watch the... Uh, 20 minute gameplay preview because it answered a lot of questions I had about the game. Um like the game is not really even though it has horror elements it's not a horror game. It's more like it's more mm. like a Devil May Cry kind of like action game with horror elements, which is cool cuz Shinji is that's Shinji's wheelhouse. Um I don't know. I think it looks really neat. Like I love the neon art style. Um, it just doesn't look like any other like shooter I've seen before. It looks yeah. it looks different and I hope it does well just because I feel like I've been craving games that are doing something different and not just doing the old like you know, like we're a shooter and you have an assault rifle and you're a space marine and everything looks gray. Like I, I need a change of pace from that. This
0: does look cool. I'm watching footage of it, I actually didn't watch it. It looks awesome. Uh it looks like almost like if Japanese Modern heretic or something, with like spells and yeah. I didn't realize it was a shooter. Heretic. So one of the game designers, uh, I think the lead game designer, also was a game designer on Doom twenty sixteen. It's a Japanese really? developer. Yep. Uh, hmm. So and he did not work on Eternal. So maybe maybe he is the uh, <laughs> the missing secret that we needed. Uh, maybe this game will be awesome. I really I hope so because it just be cool.
2: I don't know. It looks it looks like that combat could be cool because it's like first person shooter with parrying um, but it's like long range parrying where you like block incoming attacks and uh, the move variety just looks really uh, interesting I don't know I just think it looks really great great.
0: I I am such Hmm. a sucker for Japanese monster design too like I mean it's my favorite so it's yeah this looks cool I'm actually into this I I think um, I'm glad that
1: you guys are liking it because I didn't didn't, I don't know I, I, I couldn't get much from it
2: I think that's fair. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those games that I think is either going to do really well and surprise everyone, or it's going to be like not that good. But um, I guess it's
1: just hard to tell when you see like first person, like non shooting, like it's kind. I guess kind of shooting with your hands, but um, it's hard to know how it's going to feel. You know, like there's sure. not a lot of uh, a good history with games like that. But I don't know. I hope it's awesome.
2: Yeah, it looks risky. Like, I mean, doing a shooter where the spells are the guns and not, like, a gun, I think is an interesting concept. And You know I, why they're
1: doing that? Because, like, J- Japan has, like, like, a history of not putting guns in characters' hands, right? You think of, like, Mega Man. I forget what the reason for that is, but there's, like, a very strong cultural reason for not having characters shoot as much, particularly from a first-person perspective, but also... In general, obviously they put guns
0: in. They feel like evil it was hands. something that I, they said that was like weapons should be an extension uh, like of you, like part of you, and not something right. like you're holding and wielding. Whereas like in the Western, we view weapons as like, you know, something you hold and you shoot stuff. Whereas uh, Japanese, Product. like the weapon is like, yeah, like part of like who you are. So that's like a yeah, Mega Man and Samus, exactly. Yeah,
1: interesting. Huh.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. You know I'm, I'm ex- actually I'm
2: more excited about that game than because i'm a big fan of the first two evil within games and ghostwire tokyo i've been kind of ambivalent on it this whole time but uh i think that recent gameplay preview kind of kind of sold me i'm actually and the fact that it's coming out so soon um is just making me kind of excited i think it, yeah i think it might be i'm gonna be buy good that one.
0: i'll probably pre-order it too i really like tango i think that they are uh kind of like a cool fork from you know old school capcom uh and platinum mm. so i'm excited
2: and it's Shinji Mikami, you know. Shinji like, Mikami, I know. Like, yeah. it's funny watching him because um, they have interviews with him in the uh, gameplay demo. He just kind of like looks like a kind of grizzled industry vet now. When I feel like growing up, I'm so used to him having like this like kind of gamer bro personality, like backwards baseball cap, like I'm yeah. just like revolutionizing the industry. But now, but so it's kind of funny seeing him as like the grizzled vet now. Um, it's kind of something I'm getting used to. I, I think I saw like Hideo Kojima post something on Twitter where he said like um, uh, I'm at that age now where I'm thinking about like what's ahead because I'm like an old older guy now. And he's like, is it possible for an old guy like me to make a masterpiece like Alfred Hitchcock made some of his be- best work when he was in his 60s and 70s? Do I have it in me? And it's just like weird thinking of that that way because I feel like it was just yesterday that Kojima was like this up and coming guy I don't know
0: it does feel yeah I agree it does also uh Shinji Mikami I was specifically talked about this he says he thinks that uh as a developer a game developer specifically you're your best in your 30s because when you're in your 20s you're like too ambitious and too like, you want to do too many things, you don't have the realistic level. And then he said, when you're in your 40s, you're like too conservative to try anything new. You only want to do what you think will succeed and pass that. So he says that he thinks like the 30s is like the perfect level of like ambitious and also knowledgeable. So I wonder I if think, he still has that. I
2: think it's cool. I think it's cool though when uh, creatives don't do that. Like, David Lynch, for example, made like fu- fucking Twin Peaks The Return, which. Yeah. It's like, in my opinion, arguably the craziest thing he's done, and he did that in his 70s. So I feel I like it when creatives take risks when they're older. Um, I
0: agree. I, I don't. I don't think it necessarily has to be one way or the other. Like I think totally. I mean, I think Death Stranding is probably Kojima's like maybe his best game. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I like Metal Gear 2 a lot as well. But I it's it's uh it's an amazing game, and I and, you know I I think uh if you're creative, you can keep you can keep doing it. Ridley Scott's made made what? Is it House of Wolves or whatever? And he's like eighty.
2: Oh, uh, he made uh, The Last Duel, which was actually a really solid movie. Um, I watched it last week and I liked it a lot. So uh, I have
1: to check that out. It's on HBO, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Raised by Wolves new raised season by Wolves, started or raised by today. Wolves too. The second season. Um, I recommend that show. That show's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's basically Prometheus, the show. I mean, it's not the same story. Right. But it's very thematically and stylistically like the Prometheus, the show. Hmm.
2: Well, one last thing I want to say about Ghostwire Tokyo, just because you, we brought up Hideo Kojima. Um, some of this stuff kind of like reminds me of Death Stranding in the sense that like, regardless of how you feel about Death Stranding, that game just doesn't look like any other game. Like Ghostwire Tokyo, regardless if it's good or not, the fact that it doesn't look like any other horror shooter has got me interested. Um, so I'm I'm, I'm really ex- I'm excited. I really hope it does well.
0: I think it's cool, cool too. Like uh, I just want to say, oh, just building off that too, I, I agree with you. And I, I also think that um, uh, Evil Within was kind of like their Resident Evil, right? It's cool that they're right. doing something totally different. They're like, let's make a completely new thing. Not even Resident Evil, just like its own. Totally different. Like, even like, I not know if it's a new genre per se, but something that just looks totally original. So I applaud them for that. It's cool. It's also
1: uh, notable for being the last the final microsoft exclusive for playstation
0: For playstation yeah
2: <laughs> right that's true uh, um but yeah i don't know also like i don't know it's just I'm, I'm just glad i'm just glad seeing shinji mikami do interesting stuff still i'm just excited about that
0: agreed definitely
1: cool um i guess we already we, we already talked about our our loose topic this week of corporate consolidation I don't know sucks but it's the world we live in
0: yeah
1: i don't know what what more i can add to that uh let's do personal wrecks you guys ready yeah i'm ready
2: ready as i'll ever be
1: you've got like a whole segment of like television watching for us right
2: yeah i actually think uh i'm gonna cheat a little because we were talking about ridley scott um and add an additional personal wreck which i already said Um, if you like Ridley Scott he made a really good movie this year called The Last Duel which is on HBO Max and um, like I I know we always do that thing where it's like it's his best movie since whenever but it actually does feel like his best movie in years like it it was a really strong um, it's basically Rashomon Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon but if it took place in like feudal France well Yeah, like uh, Feudal France. Yeah, So it was just like a really interesting movie, interesting period piece. Uh, Ben Affleck gives a great performance um, that is incredibly entertaining and unlike any other uh, movie I've seen him in. So Last Duel is really good. Um, But my main personal wreck is um, I've been with my brother, living with him, and I've, I've been indulging him, and I've been watching all of these adult superhero, superhero shows. So, in the past month, I watched Harley Quinn, the Harley Quinn show. Uh, I watched... Uh, I've been watching Peacemaker, the James Gunn show. I'm, I watched Invincible on Amazon Prime and The Boys. And I gotta say, they're all pretty good. I don't know what my favorite one is, if... If you want more social commentary, like commentary on media and celebrity, um, The Boys does that really well. If you want like super violent Walking Dead-type superhero, Invincible is really good. If you want just straight comedy, Harley Quinn is hilarious. And uh, Peacemaker is basically like Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn, but it's a really funny, really well-written show. So I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I think if I had to pick a favorite, I think, I think Peacemaker might be my favorite because uh, John Cena kills it as Peacemaker. But I don't know. If you're interested in adult superhero shows,
0: um, good time to be watching. It's interesting that James Gunn's making TV shows. I mean, he, wasn't, he was at Trauma right, for years. He was at Trauma for
2: years, and then he made Slither. Made, yeah, he made Slither, and then after that, he made Guardians of the Galaxy. Isn't uh, Slither like
0: almost Trauma too? Like, oh, it almost is. Yeah, it isn't, but it's like, yeah. I mean, he he
2: like he he was doing like really like kind of like low mid budget, um, you know, super violent genre movies like Super and Slither, and then he did Guardians of the Galaxy, which was like his huge Hollywood break and then he did Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and, stu- and then he got into like this Twitter thing where MCU kind of like disowned him for a bit because of oh, yeah. past tweets. And then yeah. DC was like, oh, you could come work with us. <laughs> so he made Suicide Squad, which was a really good movie. The, mm. the new one, not the old one. And then mm. MCU was like, oh, we're sorry, we want you to make Guardians 3. So now he's making Guardians 3. And now, after Suicide Squad, he's he did this Peacemaker show, which he shot during the pandemic. And it's cool because he wrote every episode, but he also directed like five of the eight episodes. So it feels like a true auteur uh, TV show, but it's, it's really funny. I've been really enjoying that show, like really well-written banter and, and it's a good, a good time. It's on HBO max. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So that's my big personal rec. Uh, the one thing, the one other thing I'll say, I'm still watching the book of Boba Fett and uh, that show is still weird and not good. And it's becoming kind of obvious that the show is just a stealth Mandalorian season. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that in a very, like, I don't know what the show even is about anymore way, but anyway, Hmm. there we go.
1: Hmm. All right. Uh, I'll go quickly. I've been watching a show called yellow jackets, which has, um, uh, it's yeah, okay. It's it's got um, Christina Ricci is in it, so that that's pretty fun. Um, Juliette Lewis is in it, so it has like these kind of like old millennial, I guess Gen X kind of stars. But it, it the premise is kind of like lost, but with the, with a bu- much heavier horror element. It's got like different time li- timelines. So it's about like a girls' soccer team that gets stranded in the woods after a plane crash, and then kind of goes. Goes off the rails, and then about how they're dealing with it, you know, uh, thirty years later, whatever, twenty-five years later.
0: Almost uh, like the it, thing th- it and lost.
1: Well, sort of. Yeah, I guess it's got a little bit of that it it thing going on. Um, it's like it's more like Lost because they're stranded and there's like weird mysteries going on. It's like very heavy in the mystery and the horror elements. Uh, nice. More more horror than Lost. Hmm. The thing the show does really well is because there's different timelines. It had to cast different actors to play the same roles at different points in their life. And often that's not done very well. It's, it's hard to do that well, right? You gotta find someone who, who both looks like the person, but also can kind of, you have to harmonize the two performances so that both actors are believably the same person. And this show does that really, really well. Like I don't find myself questioning if one character, like when it switches between the two characters, like at, you know, with the 25 year gap, I'm never like, oh, this is a totally different person. I'm always like, oh, yeah, this is the same person. So it's, it's, it's that, that's, that's like a a bridge that they, they got over. It was a hard thing to do. So I don't know. It's good. I enjoy it. I recommend it. It's on uh, Showtime. Very nice. Which which I have because I watched Dexter and I'm about to watch the Twin Peaks, The Return. So then I'm going to cancel it.
0: Good on you. (laughs) That's the, that's the way to go. On that note. Uh, yesterday, my girlfriend and I were browsing for movies to watch. Uh, I was going to watch Drive, and I was like, yeah, let's watch something else. I don't know. I watched, I haven't seen Drive yet, but I, I, I want to see it. Um, but I instead was like, hey, I haven't seen Mulholland Drive in its entirety. I've seen parts of it. but Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I watched it last <laughs> night. <laughs> and uh, I really liked it as I expected I would. Um, it almost felt like a weird alternate universe Twin Peaks season 3 specifically and i was like a lot of these actors are in season 3 i was like huh that's interesting like a lot of them but um, obviously very lynchian i was thinking only david lynch well i mean not only david lynch david lynch is the only person i've seen manage to make a story about a two people sitting in the diner in la in the daytime a guy telling a story about a yes. dream scary the tension that he was telling that story was like unreal I was like dude there's so much tension in this scene it's like I it's like holy shit man like how do you build tension in the daytime in a diner people guys tell you about his dream and it's terrifying and then the whole scene plays out beautifully it was like oh yeah this is this was this is what I was hoping for this is some David Lynch pure and, pure uh,
2: through I can <laughs> see his face I can yeah. see him through the walls yeah yeah, it was, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie just that diner scene
0: the diner scene was probably my favorite part of the whole movie it was just like mm. holy shit dude And um, the whole movie has a lot of tension in it but that scene in particular really sold it um, I, a lot yeah. of, from my understanding discussion about the narrative and kind of what was real I have my own interpretation which I won't tell you because obviously spoilers but um, I do think that it may not actually matter what really happened because it's not really the point of the movie at all <laughs> Uh, yeah it's that's not, okay. that was not my interpretation i didn't think it mattered
1: a tone poem um do you know that was supposed to be a tv show and then he like totally changed gears? so it, there is some feeling of like oh maybe there's some clashing narrative here not necessarily by design but by consequence of of the, the history of it
0: i'm thinking of going to read in about it just to see what people mm-hmm. think because i know like a lot of critics and analysts movies who are you know people who are really knowledgeable on this and this stuff really have a lot of write-ups about what the movie means which i think could be interesting can we to spoil read.
1: it really quick This is the end of the podcast and so we, we could i don't know we could have can a, we a two-minute yeah, discussion uh, it,
0: the yeah, movie is
2: like 25 years old or 22 years old
1: 20 years old but yeah, but yeah, our, old? yeah it's, it's like funny. 2000, 2001 mm-hmm. i think um, it's yeah. funny
0: because the film director looked so 2000s so i was like this guy could be a max Payne character oh no, so uh,
2: justin
1: justin theroux <laughs> justin yeah. theroux
2: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh yeah that's funny
1: all right, spoiler warning for Mulholland Drive, Kevin. What is your take? Um, this is so your un- you didn't read. This is your unread, unstudied. Yeah, this is just this my is just unstudied. Your... I okay, just cool, watched the movie
0: yesterday. I haven't thought this out that much, but it seemed to me, my my take was that the uh, the main character projects herself as the blue, as the blonde lady, as um, what's her name. To me, the main character is the woman in the limousine, and everything that happened after she crashes is all her like mess up head fever dream, you know. And and there's a scene where they, they go to the nightclub, which was fucking surreal as hell. And then she comes back, and then she, the lady's gone. She's just, like, mm-hmm. by herself. And then she opens the box, and then we see a whole other narrative and a whole other story that seems to conflict with everything that happened before that moment. But uh, to me, that moment was just kind of her, like, you know, having her, I don't the know. brunette woman. The brunette saying? woman, yes. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Was, I forgot what her name was. But, um... This, they seem to, seems to imply, I feel like my interpretation was a little, her putting the blonde wig on was her like projecting her own, you know, some other, some other character who wasn't actually there the whole time. There's no real way to know any of it, obviously, because uh, especially with the director guy, like his story is like, what? It kind of goes all over mm. the place. But mm-hmm. um, I know you could interpret it the other way, the other character or multiple different ways. It's all different dreams whatever. But it seems to me like nothing weird happens before she crashes in the you limo. Know and after that everything that's gets, at the
1: beginning of the movie right yeah yeah
0: but it seems like everything uh, before that doesn't have any weird surreal doesn't she
1: moments. get shot though am I remembering no. it's been a while
0: I don't remember the shot. guy pulls a gun on her and they yeah. crack, teenagers crash into them some wild teenagers on the freeway right okay. that's right and, and that scene um, that scene plays out again but it's from the other character's perspective um, but my interpretation was almost more like a well, I don't want to say this movie because also it's a spoiler for that movie, but another movie that involves people fighting, um, kind of okay. that situation.
1: What I don't, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. But
0: okay,
1: uh, here. Well, okay, Oren, do you have anything you want? Like, there's another interpretation that I think is. Uh, there's a lot of them. Worth worth well, bringing up. Uh, uh, yeah. What
2: should I say? Mine. Yeah.
1: Or, sure. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, I, think, uh, I, first, I think the first. I think the first two thirds of the movie is her fantasy of how she wants her life to be, while the final third is more rooted in like where she's actually at. I'm not saying Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. You know, like I, I don't yeah. think. I don't think she. Like I don't want to necessarily say it's reality because it's David Lynch. It's all surrealism. But I think the final third of the movie is like what her life is actually like versus what she actually wants. And uh, I think uh, the Justin Thoreau stuff is like a two-sided thing. On the one hand, she's fantasizing that he's just like getting, you know, rebutted by the Hollywood system and not achieving anything that he wants. But he still fantasizes about Naomi, Naomi Watts being the girl. But I also think it expresses David Lynch's own frustrations with trying to navigate Hollywood. <laughs> so, uh, sure, that's how I feel about it. It's one of those movies that's hard to pin down, though, and that's part part of what makes it so evocative.
1: Yeah, no, I really like uh, the the way you you saw it, Kevin. I think that's I, I good good work there. Like, I I like that it's such a like open for interpretation film. What do you think the blue key represents?
0: Uh, I, I don't know. I felt like it was like, uh, if you think of when she gets the key and then mm-hmm. when she gets the box, it feels like the silencio. I don't know. It felt like the, uh, to me at least, it felt like that was uh, either opening up her like insanity or what she thinks is reality or what she, I don't know. But to me, that right. there, there, there's no Diane. Like she, maybe she was the failed actor and that like her memories, of, I don't know. So you
1: think no- Naomi Watts doesn't exist?
0: Potentially not. Yeah. Interesting interesting,
1: interesting. Huh. Um, yeah. yeah it's weird I remember seeing that movie and having really no idea what I had just seen at the end of it mm-hmm. and now that I've seen it many times and I've read a lot of other people's opinions on it it's a very clear movie to me but like the the confusion immediately like I had no idea I, I would not have been able to put together any sort of coherent narrative I'd be like I liked that that was cool but I don't know what happened <laughs> <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. those are the best
2: uh like, one thing that I also really love about that movie is that it was the first movie... Because, like, before I had seen Mulholland Drive, I had this idea that acting had to be, like, realistic. Like, you you judge a movie's brilliance based on how realistic the acting is. Mm-hmm. And uh, M- Mulholland Drive makes, like, a point of not doing that. Like, it's very... All the characters are, like, in, like, a weird Hollywood fantasy. Like, oh, my God, I'm in Hollywood. And it's, yeah. like, all, like soap opera and and uh, like, the only time when the acting gets really realistic is when she's auditioning for a part, and that part was like, what? Like, yeah. what is going... Like, that was, like, the wildest thing for me at the time, that, like, the only time it becomes, like, realistic acting is when she's technically acting. Um right. I thought that was so interesting.
0: It seemed to me like if you see her as... If she see if you see her as like the the um, Naomi Watts is like who who she wants to be or who she projects herself as like to me a lot of that stuff makes more sense too because of like she like Naomi Watts is this like fresh actor who arrives and she's like really skilled and they all love her and then it's actually like in the beginning of the movie in the beginning in the of end, of the, end
1: movie. of the movie she's like a failed wash up who's jealous of the other character right. of so like the other
0: care, character yeah but, yeah yeah I didn't I didn't see this Naomi Watts actually existing that they're all it's all just the other lady who's having having. Hmm fever dreams
1: <laughs> that's cool have you yeah. watched uh lost highway yet
0: no it's it's on my list that's oh my
2: like that's that's tomorrow. like the that's like the uh, dry run
1: for uh
2: it, yeah.
0: drive yeah what's your is. favorite lynch movie not not show i know what you're gonna say for sure probably at least i know what Orr will say
1: it's <laughs> uh, only, only one show right how did he yeah. make any other yeah, show yeah but i just want to say a movie because
0: like because if you just say david lynch thing it'd probably be twin peaks right oh yeah
2: I don't know man, I really love Blue Velvet. I know it's yeah. like kind of a fucked up movie, no, but I Blue Velvet. but like that's yeah. why it's good
1: cuz it's a fucked up movie.
2: Right. Like I don't know Blue Velvet to me is uh that movie captures the feeling of being a teenager better than any movie I've ever seen cuz like when mm. you're when you're a teenager, like everything that happens to you feels like either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. and like all of the scenes like whenever it gets romantic and like kind of schmaltzy you really feel it and whenever it gets like horrifying it's so horrifying and like that's like what always blew my mind about Blue Velvet it's like you I feel like and Dennis Hopper's amazing in it. So. Don't you think
0: that, that's such a good analogy, too, for, like, growing up? Like, you're, like, young oh, and yeah. you see everything as this, like, white picket fence, beautiful suburbia. And then you, like, grow up and start to see, like, the undersides of society and how bad things can be and how horrible. It's, like, such a perfect, like, it plays itself in that parallelism so well in the movie.
2: And, and also kind of, like, I don't know, like, when you're, like, 15 years old, you're kind of, like, afraid of sexuality. And, like, you know, that, like, oh, you can have perverse thoughts, too. And it's like that movie explores that, too. You know, it's just like it it explores so many things like during that particular time in someone's life in a way that I think is so unique and amazing. So uh, Blue Velvet's got to be my favorite.
1: Me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Although I I love Mulholland Drive and I love Lost Highway, even though it's not quite at the same level.
2: uh, Eraserhead is also
1: very good.
0: I like the Eraserhead. I haven't. I might watch it again. It's it's like so abstract that it's almost like harder to digest for me. Like, you know, it's a it's it's a very abstract movie. Much more than anything yeah. he's made other than maybe Twin Peaks. So,
2: I think uh, I think I read somewhere. Um, I think uh, the reason why he made Eraserhead is like part of it was his fear of like parenting. And, like, yeah. having a baby. And, like, you yeah. feel that in all of Eraserhead. Like See, so the whole
0: movie is about his experience in Philadelphia.
2: Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like Philadelphia and parenting. Like, And it's just, and, like,
0: industrial nightmare, the way the place they live. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the lady in the radiator or whatever.
0: It was yeah, it's like, so weird. Yeah. I don't even know if I doubt Philadelphia is anywhere. I, in I like that. But apparently the, the area that, that they shot it in, it's an area of Philadelphia they call... Uh, I forget what it is, like a racerville or something. I've read uh, I those. can't remember. Pretty interesting, though.
2: What, what's your favorite, Kevin? Blue Velvet?
0: I think probably. Um, if I had to pick anything, I'd pick Twin Peaks, but uh, Blue Velvet probably is my favorite. Um, pr- that's the first thing I saw. Well, not actually the first thing I saw him was actually a racerhead, but uh, Blue Velvet, I feel like, is like the perfect amount of weirdness, darkness, humor, and just david Lynchy Lynchy in this like that's not really quite as surreal as the other movies it's a little more grounded but yeah uh it's just i don't know i i just remember when he first shows up in um i think what's her name Owlers' house uh when frank first shows up and he's in the closet that scene is like talk about tension that is a tense hard to watch scene
2: <clears throat> uh, I've seen Blue Velvet in movie theaters multiple times and every single time that scene happens people start walking out of the theater. Like <laughs> really? it, it's happened every time. Wow. Like I think yeah. I've I think I've seen it 3 times in a, a theater and it, it's all it always
0: happened. Mm. It's a challenging scene. Yeah.
2: Um it's a cha- yeah, that movie is just has a lot of really challenging scenes and I can see why like some of the criticisms for it like uh, Roger Ebert actually infamously uh, we're well not infamously but he 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 gave the movie like one star and the reason why Infamous he's
1: it at this point yeah
2: yeah in like the 80s and the reason why is because he thought the violence against women was disturbing and yeah. I think but that's also that
1: it was Isabella Rossellini or wait yeah that, yeah that's name, right? yeah Isabella Rossellini and yeah.
2: I th- I think that's a fair criticism to a certain extent but I also think like it's it's considered. It's not like David Lynch like hates women. Like I, I think it's like really actually no, like, yeah, pretty brave narrative. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think they also...
0: they're trying to show how horrifying that can be. I think it was. This, that was my interpretation.
2: Well, like Twin Peaks, like uh, Fire Walk with Me. I think like a huge oh part gosh. of that movie is is like how horrible men can be to women, and I, I think that's yeah. part of what makes it great. Um, yeah. It's... So. But it's easy to, like, watch that and be like, oh, he's endorsing that. But I, I don't think he is at all. No, um, I don't think so. Yeah. No.
1: Hmm. All right. But, yeah. Well, I think Oren's got to get to the gym. Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: we should call this the David Lynch cast or the un- unintentional <laughs> David Lynch cast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Th- there was, a, there was a, a little David Lynch convo at the end. <laughs> It was
2: like 20 minutes long. <laughs> really? Oh
1: man! I thought we were going to have a hard time getting to an hour with this podcast, but we broke it. That's Good funny. job guys. Uh, we're, we went almost 80 minutes. Uh, all right, Madden, we love you as always. Um, everybody thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, take care of yourself. Bye. Bye.